I talked to people who didn't understand Bitcoin at all, um, was were maybe not even fintech investors, so they didn't care about this. So why why would they invest in such a niche fintech thing if they don't even invest in fintech at all? Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Julian, a very well welcome back to the Swiss Pinot Show. It's a pleasure to have you here again. Hey, Silvan, thank you very much. It's really my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to be here again. Since we last spoke, we were talking about you know the fundraising special episodes that we did together with the Startup Ticker. And there's so much that happened over the past, I think, two years since we last spoke. So, of course, we want to talk about all these uh, amazing developments. But before we want to properly introduce you, you're the co-founder and CEO at Relay, the world's easiest Bitcoin investing app. And before you actually jumped into the world of cryptocurrencies, of Bitcoin, you actually finished your studies with a bachelor's degree in not only business administration, but also in psychology. So I wonder, that's quite an unusual background. In what way has that shaped or even helped you to become an entrepreneur afterwards? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people say that this is an unusual combination. For me, it was always a very uh, logical combination, actually. And there's also this quote that says 50% of business is psychology. Because if you think about it, what what is business? It's really people coming together, collaborating mm-hmm. uh, to achieve a goal, right? Make money, make the world a better, better place, um, develop innovative technologies, stuff like that. But it's always about people getting together and collaborating. And that's most of the, to, to manage this, you basically need to be a psychologist, or at least it, it helps if you are a psychologist. That's so if you, if you look at it that way, then psychology should be part of the business education. Oh, hell yeah. 50% of it should be exactly. psychology. <laughs> <laughs> so you then ended up in the crypto space. So originally your, your first walking steps in the crypto space, what actually drew you to that space? When did you first encounter that there's a whole new crypto world forming out there? Yeah, that's that's funny that I was actually in my, I think, first year or at least in my bachelor's of mm-hmm. my psychology um, studies and my uh, minor was uh, business administration. So I was always already, you know, in, interested in investing and finance and stuff like that, but not in technology at all. Actually, the the only lecture that I ever failed in university was business informatics. So everything that was kind of psychology, uh, technology related, I, I sucked in really. But I had this nerd friend who was the opposite. He was very techy, tech mm-hmm. guy. He studied computer science, and we would hang around a lot. He's a, he's a friend, you know, from from long time ago. I know him from forever. Um, and, and so we hung out and it was 2015, I remember, and he showed me, uh, you know, Bitcoin and other uh, currencies, cryptocurrencies that he invested. And he just explained, you know, these are uh, nice technologies where you can transfer money without ever touching a bank or even, you know, uh, any third party just over the Internet. And, you know, it's basically Internet money, uh, which is pretty cool. And it goes up and down in price. And I was like, hmm, like my trading brain kicked in. And I was like, hmm, we could actually trade and invest in that kind of stuff. Stuff. And so I ended up buying 
one Bitcoin um, through him because mm -hmm. it was too complicated for me as a non-tech guy. You yeah. know, that's also why you know in the end uh, I ended up founding a company that makes it easier for people who don't know about finance and technology to invest in Bitcoin. But back then it was for me too complicated, and so I told him, "Just I, mean, I give you the cash. I give you five hundred dollar bills, and mm -hmm. you can can you give me the Bitcoin?" And he was then just buying the Bitcoin and holding it, uh, holding it for me, and then it went up. 10% or something and I told him sell again it was like he was like my broker <laughs> sell again I want these 50 bucks so I earned 50 bucks and I thought I'm you know, fucking the, the 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 most intelligent guy in the room which obviously in hindsight I was not because now uh, it, did, it did 100x in terms of value from from there but that was my first baby steps into bitcoin wow that's super interesting and then you eventually actually solved your own problem by making bitcoin investing easier then you know, entrepreneurship was basically your way to get there, to make that a reality. What was really the motivator to become an entrepreneur in the first place? Did you have any entrepreneurs in the family or why was that the right way for you to pursue? Don't really have entrepreneurs in my family. I would say my family is more like kind of creative um, and, and like artist uh, family background, but not entrepreneurial at all. Also, my mom recently at an award show, she had to do a little video interview with the moderator. Mm -hmm. And she said in front of Hallestadion, in front of the whole audience, she said, because she didn't know that it actually would be shown in front of the whole audience live Ooh. at the award show. So what she said to the interviewer is, oh, you know, I thought my son will be everything, an artist or, you know, a creative or maybe even a politician or something, but never would I have guessed he's, he's becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, so no, at the, at, I don't know where this is coming from, um, but I always had the, uh, the pleasure to do things myself, to try to drive things forward myself and kind of take a leadership position and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then, but what really drew me to entrepreneurship um, was a lecture actually at university in my master's. My master's that I was focusing on business administration fully. Yeah. And I had this lecture uh, about being an entrepreneur. Um, and then it showed really the pros and cons of being an entrepreneur, like the processes, like how it works, um, and you know every, everything about being an entrepreneur. Um, and that really inspired me. So after this, I decided to take a half a year off or like do a half a year exchange semester in Silicon Valley um, to, to brief some some more uh, entrepreneurial air. And then I came back and it was clear I need to do something myself. And since I started three businesses, actually, this is the third one. Amazing. I mean, you really found your path, basically, thanks to that university course. Yeah, yeah, that was one, certainly one big factor of it. Um, and and also the the person that gave this course, uh, it's uh, do uh, Professor Doctor Philip Seeger. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, he he was uh, very instrumental in that and very inspirational in that as well, for sure. Now, of course, we're all curious. What were the first two businesses that you did? So the first was Bravis. It still exists. Bravis is uh, a consulting company that I founded with two of my friends. So we, the three of us, uh, we it was basically a failure. So we didn't really uh, take off. We had some. So the the th what we try to do is educate and uh, advise financial service providers like the the, the, the incumbent banks and asset mm -hmm. managers uh, in this whole crypto finance and blockchain and Bitcoin topic. We started it beginning of 2018, where, you know, the whole bubble 
popped and there was the crypto winter and all the yeah. the incumbent finance guys thought, you know, I was right. Okay, <laughs> this whole thing failed. Probably not the best timing. <laughs> the worst timing. And also we were like 24, 25 yeah. young guys who wanted to tell the big bankers in the suits um, yeah. how to how to do business and that, that this is actually the next big thing. You know, you can imagine. Didn't really work out well. We, we had some interesting projects um, with ING, for example, a very big bank or Swiss Quote, the, the Swiss online bank or Valiant, uh, another local uh, Bernese bank. Some interesting projects, um, but they didn't really take off as a business. Yeah. Um, but it still exists and we do, do some projects here and there. And then out of this, uh, the CCFE um, was created. So this is the Certified Crypto Finance Expert. It's uh, an education product where we mm -hmm. do education mainly uh, on online and offline courses um, about this for again, bankers, but this really took off. So this is like the leading uh, crypto finance training now in, in, in Switzerland. Uh, we had more than 300 participants from, you know, the big banks like UBS, Credit Suisse, PostFinance, cool. uh, even uh, Deutsche Bank, Commerzbank from Germany. So this is really, uh, this is really going great, but without really me as, as, you know, I'm not operationally involved anymore. But, uh, but it's all, uh, also what, uh, what I did before. But now, obviously, uh, Relay, as you said, the world's easiest Bitcoin app is my main pro uh, project. Yeah. And you actually founded Relay, the company, in 2019, but you already started working and, and testing around with the idea one year earlier in 2018. So we heard you wanted to solve your own problem to make Bitcoin investing easier. Can you walk us through the process of how you then went from this idea, you identified your own problem, to test the idea and to actually validate it to a certain degree. Yeah, certainly happy to do that. And I will also update the time frame because, um, so I think you said we saw each other two years ago. I don't I think, think so. that's quite true yeah. because it's, I think it was one year ago. Also possible, yeah. Um, because, and also the company, we didn't found it until October 2020. Okay. And that was last year, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. Um, so... Actually, what happened was between these 2015, where I bought my first Bitcoin, but also sold it again. Uh, for two years, I was not really, really involved in this topic, always you know, kind of uh, by the side. Mm -hmm. Also, a fun, fun story is that 2016, when, when Ethereum launched, the second biggest uh, cryptocurrency that is now worth a couple of billions, and one, one ETH is actually 4.5K Swiss francs, something like that. Uh, they did their ICO at one Swiss francs per coin. And I wanted to participate again. And again, I failed because it was technically too complicated. Mm -hmm. So I read articles about it and stuff. And I took, you know, an afternoon trying to figure it out how I can buy some five, six hundred coins. You know, that was the plan. But it was just too hard and too complicated. So I left it alone. Obviously, now this would have been a good deal. But anyway, um, then in 2017, when this whole thing still was there, and then when this big bubble came, that's mm -hmm. where I thought, okay, I really need to dig deeper in that because it's really interesting and it could potentially, um, you know, really turn the financial system around as we know it now. So that's what I did. I deep dived in the, at the beginning of 2017 and got really convinced and really said, okay, I need to go all in on this. I really mm -hmm. want to make this my main profession as well. Um, and so that's where it all started, kind of the, the brainstorming, what could we do in this? Uh, it's a big finding process, uh, personal process, but also, you know, um, finding good business opportunities. So that and then that's what, that's also when I went to the ex uh, to do the exchange semester end of um, 
or second half of 2017 and then beginning 2018 came back, founded Bravis, then founded CCFE and then end of 2018 the idea of Relay already popped up. Um, that's when I had the kind of idea, end of 2018 and then the whole 2019 the whole year was basically experimenting, trying it out, w collaborating with different people. Some came, some went. You know, uh, the only one that stayed was my co-founder, CTO uh, Adam. Um, and then, you know, we did uh, startup competitions, challenges, hackathons, stuff like that, to really validate and prove the idea and to build mm -hmm. a prototype and have some first test users, have some first uh, feedbacks, jury from from juries and and some first coaches and stuff like that. And then end of 2019, we thought, okay, we we are ready with a prototype. You know, it seems the concept seems to work, the technology, the legal aspect, also the business aspect. And we had a, an idea how to make money and have first customers that were interested. So we thought we have a good case that can be funded. Mm -hmm. um, since up to then, we, we did all, you know, uh, self-funded. We didn't really spend money and we still had our jobs. And so it was, it was more a hobby. Mm -hmm. And then end of 2019, we wanted to make a project out, out of this hobby. So we needed some money. We thought it's going to be easy. It was not easy at all. So uh, it took me like three, four, five even months to raise our first 20K. Because really, we really didn't have any money. Adam was um, already, you know, had, had his baby uh, coming up and, 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 and I was, you know, young student basically failed entrepreneur by then so i didn't really have money as well so um yeah uh, the the first 20k took me took me like four or five months but eventually we we found someone that we met at one of these startup uh, challenges mm -hmm. competitions that was uh, with a friend of his the first uh, angel investor and gave us these uh, 20k with which we developed the whole application and the whole community around it and the whole you know social media and website presence and everything within three months from april to june and first of july 2020 we launched the app wow i have so many follow-up questions for you <laughs> so first one let's let's focus on that investment part why was it so difficult for you to raise even 20k that doesn't sound like too much was that the missing track record or did nobody want to believe in, in crypto and in Bitcoin especially? What do you think was the main reason why it was so difficult for you to raise funds? Yeah, in hindsight, I think certainly the, the missing track record is one aspect because I was young. I was 25, 26. I didn't really have anything to show except, you know, a master's degree, but no mm -hmm. real um, entrepreneurial or even professional um, experience. I worked a little bit in banking, a little bit in, in management consulting, but I was not, you know, the uh, the, the big guy yet uh, at all in, in any um, area. Um, that So that was certainly a part. I think the biggest aspect is that we talked also to the wrong people so i had more than 100 um discussions with different angel investors but mostly with the wrong ones i think that was my biggest my biggest problem or my biggest learning then also because i talked to people who didn't understand bitcoin at all um was were maybe not even fintech investors so they didn't care about this so why why would they invest in such a niche fintech thing if they don't even invest in fintech at all so i think most of the people didn't really understand our value proposition but i I kept on talking to these people and they, they, you know, they just from the beginning said, no, it's not, it's not going to work. <laughs> but also, you know, 
also just I think because it is actually very hard in Switzerland still at this early stage, pre-seed um, stage, before you actually have a live product with first paying customers to raise funds. It's still very, I mean, I, I, I observed this with some some um, uh, some projects, some startup projects now as well, that it, you, they have good ideas, they have a good first team, mm-hmm. but before you actually have a product that is live and may has some first paying customers, it's so hard to even get, you know, very, very, very small checks. Um, and that was also what, what we experienced. So I think it was a combination between talking to the wrong people and just being so, so early without having a track record. What would you do differently today to, to avoid that situation? Of course, selecting different investors, but also would you try to wait longer until you raise funds to already have a functioning product life with first customers? Or what would you do differently if you were raising funds today? If you have the situation, the personal financial situation that allows this, yes. I would yeah. not care about fundraising until I have my first MVP on the market and my first paying customers. But because this unlocks basically so, so many first uh, conversations yeah. with with interesting investors. Um, so I would not you know, invest these four to five months uh, trying to get 20K. I would invest this in in time of you know building the product and getting it live mm-hmm. because then you know even when we went live even uh, investors started to approach us you know it's it's so much different so much easier once you've proven you can actually bring something live and get some 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 revenue first revenue so i would definitely do that but this was not an option because i was really broke sure <laughs> and uh, and also you know this was not an option so we had to go through this but i would do it differently if i can if you cannot then um, what I would do differently is certainly do my homework and research and, you know, um, really go through, you know, what what are the uh, interesting angel investors for me? So what are the angel investors that invest in fintech? And mm-hmm. all the others I would just not care about for yeah. this moment. And then in fintech, what are the investors that maybe already have some investments in crypto, Bitcoin projects and really understand this and are a big fan of this. Um, and then I would only talk to them and try to just catch one of them because they usually have very good networks as well. Mm-hmm. And they can then help you to to get some others on board. And uh, that that's what we did afterwards, um, I think very well. Once we had the first couple of of people in our network that invested in us, then to leverage their network to get more investors. I think that's what nice. we did really well. We, we should have done this uh, right at the beginning. And you also mentioned the validation process. So you first validated that as part of a hackathon that you attended together with your co-founder. I just wonder, how did you validate the, the idea? How did you really test it to then be certain hey, this is actually worth investing more time and eventually also money in. Mm-hmm. So as I said, uh, the participation in those uh, hackathons and, and competitions were very fruitful to that because you um, you get a lot of feedback from these coaches and from the jury as well. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of feedback how you can do things differently. Um, and then I would say just with whatever you have, whatever stage you're product is in from where it is only a couple of slides, PowerPoint slides, to where it is maybe a first um, mock-up, to where it becomes a proof of concept in kind of a clickable uh, thing that 
And then once it's a, an MVP that is still in beta, so not live, but still people can already test it with, with money. So this was always our approach to whatever we have, show it to people and then do problem and solution interviews. So problem interviews where we did not show what we have to ask mm -hmm. them, you know, to, to talk, just talk about them, about the problem. Like, do you have problems investing in Bitcoin? Um, and then how, how did you solve it so far? Right. How would you like to change this process? What didn't you like about this process? How would you like to solve it? And so to, just to get understanding of what the problem is, what are the pain points of our users and mm -hmm. what would they like to, to do differently and to empathize with them, like to really feel their pain. Uh, so these problem interviews and then also solution interviews where, okay, cool, we have this now. It's really <laughs> crappy yet, but please, please try it out and say, what, what do you like about it? And what would you change about it? And then they yeah. try it out. They give you feedback. People actually like to do this. Um, cool. and this, it gives you the best, um, the best uh, validation information that you can get at every level. You know, we, we then, once we were live, we did the same. Uh, we, so we did, we did this with 10 people in a telegram group. Um, when we just started coding it, we mm -hmm. did it with, uh, at the end, before we, just before we released the first version, we did it with maybe 100 people in this Telegram group. Yeah. Then we launched it, we were thousands of people, uh, but we still got these, these groups where people give you, give us feedback every day. Uh, now we, we just, after one and a half years, we did a relaunch, um, like a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. It's still the same. Now it's 10,000 of people, but they still give us feedback. And obviously the product is on a higher level, but we still take yeah. this feedback to move forward, to validate what is working and whatnot. That's really cool. And it almost sounds easy when you describe it that way, but I could imagine there are also some tough moments or some really hard to digest feedbacks that you must have received. No? Oh yeah, always, always. <laughs> still, still, still now. It's very hard. It's a very hard job as well. I, I remember at the beginning that was basically I that, I, myself, I got all this direct feedback. It really hurts, you know, if you yeah. work on something for months and years and then the feedback is, this is bullshit. Like, eh, this doesn't work. And fucking, you know, people, people get angry because they, uh, would like to do something. They would like to, the app, the app to do a job that it mm -hmm. then fails to do and they get angry and they get to you. So, and, and now it's, and then it was Adam as well, my CTO who got all the feedback and he got angry and frustrated. <laughs> now we have a product manager that has the same, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very hard. Even, even now we, we relaunched this app. We had professional designers working on it and it's really a next level experience now. Mm -hmm. But even now people say, you know, I liked the app before it had more blue. I, I missed the blue. Now it's all white. It's I, I don't want to use it anymore. And this hurts so much because you work sure. like your ass off to do it. And but you can never. It's yeah. never perfect for everybody. So you always have this kind of negative feedbacks. To, uh, the the art then is really to take this feedback and make uh, and improve uh, the app. Basically. I mean, at the end, you also have to to make it your product. You have to decide what's right and what's not right. So thank you for the feedback. But at the end, you and your team have to decide what the product should be, what it should be able to do and what it should look like, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's uh, that also requires a lot of um, re reliance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on, on and, and a lot of no reliance, not the right word, but like it, you need to be able to take this this stress and this frustration. Um, yeah. Embrace the suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so to speak. Mm -hmm. Another thing I also want to talk about, your pitch deck is actually publicly available on your website, your first pitch deck. And there you say that the financial system is broken. Mm -hmm. So I would also like to talk a bit about that topic. So why do you think the current financial system is broken? Well, it's broken for savers. So 
you know, everybody wants to save money, right? Uh, for for the future, for some goals, you want to buy a house at one point or you just want to have some money that you can use if you have an emergency or whatever. Yeah. The saving is a basic human need. Um, and so how do people save now? And that's showing why the system is broken. Two third of the of Swiss people who are known to save a lot put their savings and it's like 20% of their income. So it's a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, put the savings to a savings account at a, at a bank. They don't invest it in anything. They just leave yeah. it there. So what happened in the 80s, for example, or let's say beginning of the 90s, you got actually an interest rate there. You had like 8% yeah. or something. So this <laughs> really made a lot of sense, right? Yeah. You put as much as money as you can on your savings account. You leave it there. You get interest and interest of interest. In the, yeah. So great compound interest you, you you make money by just leaving the money mm -hmm. there right great but we're not in the 90s anymore with both of both of us probably have uh, uh we, we were born beginning of the 90s that that this worked then now uh what happens if you leave your money on your savings account is you have negative interest rates or zero or negative interest rate depending on the sure. um uh, the amount and you have inflation so when we were born 30 years ago this was the last highest uh, inflation that we saw it was about six percent in for the us dollar the leading uh, currency in the world but you had eight percent of interest so you, you would still be in the green mm -hmm. okay you could still save yeah. so then the system was still okay 30 years later now we have again six percent of us dollar inflation now but we have negative interest rates so the gap is you you're actually in the blood red every year so if you just leave your money there it's just you, you just the, the savers are losing money basically every day you lose so a lot of your purchasing power in the future that's it so you basically work put money aside and this money shrinks so that's why i think for savers the uh, the financial system is really broken and that's it's not only me you know i i, I just talked to uh i talked to a lot of also traditional financial experts you know professors mm -hmm. uh, top bankers and stuff about the economists about this because i want to make sure that i'm not you know trying to sell some some things that i know don't really understand because w once you're in this bitcoin bubble then every the, the bitcoin seems to solve every problem in the world you know, which is not true uh, so i try to think out of the box and st talk to people that are not into this bitcoin bubble as i am mm -hmm. but they really also confirm this and i think more and more people understand this does it's not gonna it's not gonna work forever like this if we just print money and money inflates six percent inflation but yeah, sure. no interest rate then you know you can't save anymore so people need an alternative yeah. so i think that's a very strong statement why it's not a good idea to just leave your cash on your bank account you actually lose your future purchasing power so you probably need to invest it you can invest it in gold in in stocks etfs or in bitcoin why do you think is Bitcoin uh, sort of an investment vehicle that everybody should consider? What does it make a better investment vehicle than gold or ETFs? Yeah. So the thing with Bitcoin is it's scarce. Whenever something is truly scarce, and, and Bitcoin is the most scarce, the scarcest thing that exists basically in the universe, I would even say, um, because it's not only scarce, it's actually fixed. It's written in the code, in the open source code that is run uh, and decided upon by millions of people. So it's decentralized. 
it's open source. Not just one person or one institution can change it. Like, for example, how many US dollar we have is decided by the Fed, uh, the federal uh, banks or the central banks. They mm -hmm. decide how much money is floating around. They're printing money like crazy. That's why we have inflation. You cannot do that with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is fixed. What do we know as other assets that are scarce? For example, gold. That's why it's this store of value asset for thousands of years, because it's scarce and because it's independent of governments and central banks. Same with Bitcoin. It's just digital. So it's kind of the next level um, savings technology. Uh, it's, it's also called digital gold or gold 2.0 because it's, it's a better gold, but it has the same characteristics why gold is so valuable and goes up in, in um, value over time is because it's independent and it's because it's scarce. And with gold, you, they always find more gold in, mm -hmm. in the world. And maybe there's even more gold on other planets. You don't know. So it's kind of scarce. There's not going to be plenty more of it. Like you cannot just triple and, you know, tenfold the, the uh, amount like you can with the USD. Mm -hmm. um, that's why gold is good. But Bitcoin is even better because it's really, really scarce and fixed. Nobody, there will only be 20 million Bitcoins ever, not more. And so if you have an asset that is really scarce and independent, so nobody can change this scarcity, uh, then, you know, what happens to the price if you have price is a function of demand and supply. So if you have a fixed supply, you know, what is the demand, it, de depending on the demand, and if we think uh, the demand is growing, because people are looking for a hard asset to save their money that does mm -hmm. not devalue, then the demand is going up, so the price will go up. Right? This is kind of the, yeah. this is the easy, um, the easy uh, story. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of an, an, a no-brainer um, to, to believe that this is going to be the way next generations are saving their, saving their money. Right now, we have 1% of um, the world that is investing or storing their value in Bitcoin only. You know, it's, so it's only just the beginning. And we can see clearly the last 10 years has been crazy and, and up, the, the demand went up mm -hmm. a lot. If you ask Generation Y or Z, like millennials and Generation Z, 50% to 75% of them say they will invest in Bitcoin. Uh, once they grow old, in 10 to 20 years, um, more of uh, half of the whole money will be controlled by these people. You know, institutions will be led by them. They will earn, inherit money. And where will they invest it in? They will not invest it in physical gold. They invest maybe in some stocks and bonds and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. also a lot, they will invest it in digital gold. So Bitcoin, um, you know, supply and demand. Supply, it's the... It's fixed. It's the scarcest that we have ever known. Uh, demand is going up, so price is going up. And it's, that's why we think it's the best savings technology you can invest in now. Today's episode is brought to you by Relay. Relay is a Bitcoin-only investment app from Switzerland, available on Android and iOS, that gives everyone an easy and secure way to invest in Bitcoin with minimal barriers to entry. No deposit, KYC verification or registration is required. After you download the app, just choose the amount of euros or Swiss francs you want to invest and make the payment using a bank transfer. That's it. You can start with as little as 10 euros or Swiss franc and pay 0% transaction fees until the end of 2021. 
Alternatively, you can automate this process by starting a weekly or monthly savings plan and buy Bitcoin at regular intervals. To learn more, head over to relay.ch slash ambassadors slash Swisspreneur and buy Bitcoin with Relay, Europe's easiest Bitcoin investment app. There are also, of course, critiques uh, towards the Bitcoin as a store of value. They, they might say there is no intrinsic values you have with gold because you could use that to produce jewelry, for example. And it's also sort of a belief system, like as long as people believe that there's value in it, the price will go up because there will be demand. But if inflation drops again, you might have, probably not that soon, but maybe later, you'll have more interest rate on your bank account. What would then happen? Do you think that this is a sustainable, you know, Bitcoin investment to store the value or will that also eventually drop to below, I don't know, 40, 30,000 per Bitcoin again in the future? I don't think so. I think this is uh, gradually going up because it's not only, it is a belief system. I agree. Um, like every, like money, money sure. is a myth yeah. that people believe in. It's like, paper, basically. Like nations, like companies. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a myth. Uh, right now, people believe in the US dollar having value. That's why they hold their, their uh, savings in that. But mm-hmm. it always depends on what you believe in, right? So I agree it's a belief system, but I think it has good reasons why people believe in it because it's it has the best characteristics and it is designed for only that storing value mm-hmm. it's the easiest thing to store and transfer value in a digital world and that's why so many people believe in it um, so that's why i also think more and more people will believe it and, and keep believing in it and that's why it's it, it will it will go up but obviously i think the biggest threat to Bitcoin not succeeding is actually if we manage to fix the financial system again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun thing to say. Right. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen in my opinion, but if that that's great. I mean, yeah. if we ha- if we had no problem then we would need we would not need Bitcoin. Sure. That's a very interesting take. So, I'll let people reflect on that on their own so they can make their own <laughs> judgment. So you also mentioned at the beginning that, you know, the process was so difficult, so complicated to actually invest into Bitcoin. Can you talk to us how you actually simplify that with Relay and why you make it or how you make it so easy to invest into Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. So usually like this is, we also get competition, right? So it is getting a lot easier now mm-hmm. uh, these days. When I started thinking about this, it was really, the process was, okay, you want to invest in Bitcoin, you need to find an exchange somewhere. And then you create an account and then you need to get verified. So you need to upload a lot of documents, all your personal information, and you type it all in and then it gets checked. Usually takes, took a couple of days. And then um, you are verified so you can wire money. You wire money, you need to wait until it's there with the traditional bank system, uh, it takes a couple of time. Um, And then when it's there, you exchange it into Bitcoin and then you can imagine, you know, you have these charts and stop loss and market orders. So it's basically trading, but for a lot of people, you know, 90% of the people don't really trade. They're not traders. So for Mm -hmm. them, it's very complicated. But they... So if you manage to do that, you have the Bitcoin on the exchange where you don't want to leave it because it's not safe. Because they hold your money and if they get hacked, the, the money is gone. Yeah. Um, and so you need to 
withdraw it to a wallet. You need to create the wallet first. There are so many apps you can use. Okay, then you find a wallet, then you have to store your private key. This is another, um, quite, uh, you know, quite a, uh, a cumbersome process. And so this whole process back then took uh, one to two weeks and, you know, two, three different service providers. For a non-tech, non-finance person, <laughs> this was just way too much yeah. to just invest, you know, a couple of bucks. And, you wouldn't and go it. through all that hassle. You, would, you, you did not want to. And that, that's also my experience that I made because I was always the Bitcoin guy, right? So people ask me, so where can I buy Bitcoin? How, what's the easiest way? Mm-hmm. And I had to tell them, look, the easiest way is this. And then nine out of 10 said, you know, I'm not going to go through too this. Complicated. Too complicated. The hurdles are too high. Exactly. And what, how we solve it is that we say, okay, that it, there needs to be a way if we want everybody to have access to this best savings technology, there needs to be a way where people can download an app and within one minute uh, get onboarded without doing any registration, verification whatsoever. They don't need to wire money to deposit before they can trade or whatever. They really need to be set up within one minute and be able to buy their first Bitcoin from 10 bucks already, so a very low amount. Um, and then, you know, they also want to do other things. They want to do uh, buy, but also sell directly from their bank account without setting up any new uh, you know, uh, things. They also want to have an automatic savings plan, maybe if they decide, okay, this is a cool thing. I really want to uh, save some of my money in Bitcoin. They mm-hmm. can set up uh, a recurring order with their bank, you know, 50 bucks a week, for example, and then just let it flow. Yeah. And obviously they also want to have something where they can send, receive and store their Bitcoin all out of one hand. So this is basically relay you download the app when you start it it creates a bitcoin wallet for you without you doing anything and without doing any registration we don't even need to know your name you don't need to upload any documents nothing Um, within one minute from 10 bucks directly from your bank account you can buy sell save store send receive pay with your bitcoin everything out of one very very simple app that's amazing simplicity wins i often hear and that definitely seems to be the case here Absolutely. That's that's the goal, yeah. How does your business model look like? I mean, at the end, you're a company, you have VC investors on board now, you also need to make money. So what's your business model? Right now, it's as simple as the app. So we just take a transaction fee. Uh, it used to be 3%, which is quite high, but people yeah. were willing to pay this. So 3% would go uh, to us. So you invest 100 bucks, you get 97 bucks in Bitcoin, the rest goes to us. Mm-hmm. Now, that we have, as you said, uh, uh, big investors on board um, and we're able to uh, uh, get our own broker license and build our own broker in-house, we can actually reduce the fees. So right now, the fees until end of the year are actually 0%, but obviously after that, it will be as low as 1%, which is then quite uh, competitive again also to other crypto trading companies and also to traditional you know, stock investing, whatever trading. So 1% um, transaction fee, that's our mm-hmm. only business model so far, we just live uh, off that. Um, and but it, the plan is also to go from uh, a, reven- uh, a revenue that is only from transactions, transaction-based mm-hmm. revenue, to a subscription-based revenue where people can actually uh, just pay, you know, ten, fifteen bucks a month as they are used to it with their Netflix, with their Spotify, whatever right. subscription, and then can use, you know, the app for free without any other charges. So basically, people will be cool. able to decide either um, I, I, I do some transactions and they. A relay takes a transaction cut or they say, look, I want I want the all-in flat package. Sure. No fees, but just these 10, 15 bucks a month. 
However, in all cases, you probably need quite high volumes to build a sustainable and also very profitable business case. Is that a big challenge for you? Yeah, right now with this transaction-based revenue model, obviously this is the biggest challenge. The only thing that counts from a business perspective is to get volume because yeah. that's what, how we make money. Um, so yeah, that, that's actually the, the biggest challenge yeah? because the, the more we can grow in volume, sustainable volume as well. Sure, because um, it also costs to acquire the volume, right? Exactly, we, to acquire the volume costs and it depends a lot on uh, the stickiness of the product, like how long do people stay with the product if they come and invest you know for one or two months that's great but then if they leave again this is uh, this is a problem yeah. they need you need to have recurring volume um and uh, so that's why we are happy that a lot of our users do a savings plan and then mm -hmm. just uh, uh, shoot and forget so that's great because it's a recurring value for us um it also the volume depends a lot on how the market the bitcoin market goes you know we have been to, sure. through, through some different cycles now in these one and a half years it's a short term but it's it's a long term in, in in Bitcoin history because it's more than a tenth of Bitcoin existence that we are not alive, um, and we've seen everything from crypto winter where basically no one really cared about <laughs> investing in Bitcoin to end of last year when we had a huge rally from November to January where mm -hmm. it, you know Bitcoin I think went from 10k to like 50k or something, and that's where all the people like coming in like without any marketing people just go crazy and buy so many bitcoin yeah. and that's why we had like record volumes but so it's 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 quite volatile as bitcoin itself also the our volume is very volatile that's why it's instrumental to also uh, get, um, get into this subscription-based um, revenue as well and how do you actually acquire new clients today because that's the the key to increase the volume you also made a, a key hire there to support you on the the customer acquisition yeah yeah absolutely so we started with no basically no um really real marketing we just did a lot of community and social media you know very organic um some some posts here and there and you know we, we built and nurture a, a community online um and that was that was great just to start with we had a great small but but intense fan base mm -hmm. and then next step was to build a referral program because word of mouth was really always still is and, and always was a very key driver of, uh, of of new customers and volume um so we we did that end of uh, last year and it, it came together with a bull run in, in in the bitcoin market so that was it was great good great timing. Uh, good timing <laughs> yeah and and the great driver of, of growth and then as you said we we did a great um hire uh lately with uh emo Babich, who is the ex cmo is now our cmo uh, and and was the ex CMO of Bitpanda for two years, and he he brought them from a couple of hundred thousand app downloads to like more than a million app downloads, and uh, he he built a, a big marketing team there. And you know, Bitpanda is really the biggest crypto exchange in Europe. It's basically the Coinbase of Europe yeah. with a four billion valuation, so it's a huge animal. And he basically brought them to where they are now in terms of marketing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So he's a very undervalued but a very, very great guy. So we managed to, to get him. And obviously now everything gets very professional with, uh, you know, we stick to the organic strategies, but professionalize them a lot. So a lot of uh, content marketing, great social media uh, management and SEO, you know, stuff like that is really going to the next level now. Um, also, the referral program will uh, be adapted a little bit and 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 uh, pushed uh, mm -hmm. a lot on on different communities, 
Then we start heavily to work with influencers now. Um, you know, YouTubers, bloggers, podcasters, Twitter, influencer, Twitter guys. We have our own podcast as well that we push more. Um, so a lot with, you know, influencers uh, and, and credibility uh, holders. And obviously then, last but not least, paid. Just paid advertisement. Yeah. So on, on all these different channels, you know, Google, ads, um, Apple and Play Store, the the app store um, ads that you can run and then obviously on all the different social media platforms just paid advertising where you try to you know invest in a, in a smart way to get a low customer acquisition cost to get people downloading your app and using your app for 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 a small paid fee you know sponsored ads these are basically the and PR as well we we do sure. we work more with with PR now. Um, trying to get you know interviews and appearances in, in in media a lot. That's that's also a big driver, um, and I think this this all plays together very well. And if it's or- orchestrated, this whole marketing strategy, if it's orchestrated yeah. by a, a super champion like Emo, this is the best you can uh, you can get. I would say the future looks very bright for you now. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, yeah. It, it all it all really depends also how how Bitcoin goes, you know. Um, of course, because you never know when the next one year uh, crypto beer market is coming, yeah. crypto winter, and if that <laughs> happens, you can really do whatever you want. You're not gonna you're not gonna uh, go crazy. After, uh, but but um, yeah, there there are a lot of external factors as well. But I would also say from an internal point of view, we we are very well positioned for sure. The last point in terms of challenges that I also want to talk about is the broker license that you briefly mentioned before. That was probably the the biggest challenge that you faced so far, you know, after going live. Why is that broker license so important to you, despite just the fee reduction that made it possible and how they actually managed to process? Because as a small startup to obtain your own broker license, I can imagine that's a challenging and mm-hmm. a quite demanding process, I would say. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a wild ride, but certainly an interesting project. Um, so we had the need for that. We felt the need for that when we started to grow, you know, from from just an experiment and a small MVP to actually a business with recurring customers that that want to be satisfied and, mm-hmm. and 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 some volume and some revenue that we wanted to uphold. So, and then we had just limitations working with an external broker, because you can imagine this broker is not working for us only they obviously sure. have 10 20 30 customers as we are and all these customers have different needs and um so from a technical point of view for a lot of the features that we wanted to um develop or for a lot of improvements that we wanted to make we are we were very limited so this broker mm-hmm. was a bottleneck technically um and then also legally and business wise it was a problem because actually what we did is through the app which is forwarded the users to um, the broker and actually they paid us a commission to drive volume to them so we were whole, yeah. th- we were fully dependent on this on this broker and the broker actually owned so bitty uh, it was the company they actually owned the customer they had the uh, the the actual relationship not the relationship but that that what we had the relationship um, in the real world but legally and business wise they had the contract with them you know yeah. so they they could also just kick us out and, and, and put their own app, for example, and then that, that was it. So we, we didn't yeah. own the customer. So we're important from a legal and business point of view. And then also, as you already said, from a financial point of view, they just took 1% of everything. 
uh, so and they gave us back whatever is left. You sure. know? So yeah. we we would never had have had the flexibility to, for example, right now as we as we speak, we have a zero uh, fee promotion campaign. We were not able to do this before because we we didn't have the power on the fees because we had yeah. to pay. You know these one percent, and they obviously would not uh, do some these these uh, promo uh, stuff for us. So now we're fully fully flex- flexible on that, and also just uh, plain you know make or buy decision. At at okay. one point, these this one percent uh, becomes such a high number. If you have millions and millions of volume per year, yeah. and even ten millions, like we, we have yearly volumes in two digit millions you know mm-hmm. um so now this actually this one percent actually come becomes to a high number where you need to ask yourself is it cheaper to make this ourselves of course and this is now around now the case and certainly if we grow another five to ten x is a no-brainer so we need to do this ourselves to to be able to earn more and or make uh, the, the the prices low uh, keep the prices low for our customers yeah so that's really interesting not only from a financial but also from the strategic perspective that you applied there absolutely and that, really cool. that was actually the biggest um strategic alignment that we had to do or we're very lucky that we did it with our mm-hmm. lead investor red alpine that they said we, we were not 100 clear now we were clear that that we should do this but we were not clear yet that we should do it already in now basically mm-hmm. um starting beginning of this year but they red alpine was interested but they said you know this is a key strategic in our view this is a key strategic element that you need to insource this as soon as possible and actually based actually even based on that our the raise the, the amount that we raised um was uh, was higher than because they advised us to, to you, you need to squeeze in this project now yeah. the early, uh, the earlier the better and that's also cool because you now brought the traction to the table and that makes for an amazing fundraising story where you say we need your two and a half million that you raised in the series a to actually like get our own brokerage license, yeah. build that in-house to be strategically independent and get positioned for more, more, more growth. Exactly. That's, that's perfect. It. It's a yeah. fundraising story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then capture the whole value without exactly. any uh, partner dependencies. And stuff. So that's actually quite interesting because then by doing the investment and enabling you to do that, of course, if the plan works out and you can then also further grow and successfully implement the broker project, mm-hmm you actually already built a more valuable company. So that's like mm-hmm. a no-brainer from the VC perspective. Amazing. Yeah, but interestingly, and that really shows the experience and just the, just, just the, vision, the, the vision and the talent probably these guys have. Like Red Alpine yeah. is really an amazing VC because they, they were by far the only ones who actually, you know, thought about that you know it was so, it's so, it's so in hindsight it's a no-brainer as you say yeah. but it was so with so much um, uh, foresight that they did that we, we talked with so many VCs but mm-hmm. none of them were, were so clear in that you know uh, in that regard and it's really it was really a very strategically uh, valuable move yeah smart move Red Alpine yeah <laughs> So now you have more than 45,000 app downloads, a total of more than 20 million invested. What is next for you? What are your plans for the future? Do you want to add any additional cryptocurrencies to your uh, offering? (laughs) No, we're not uh, going to add any other cryptocurrencies just because of the reason that, as I said, we want to be uh, a savings uh, app. We want to promote saving and there's no real point for us in promoting um, these other coins because most of them, actually all of them are, you know, this is betting 
and speculation and even gambling you know some of them will go up a lot uh, but some of most of them is actually it's, it's high risk most of them will will die and also if if you look back five years the top 20 coins um right now around three i think of them are still around in the top 20 all the others are yeah. so it's a highly speculative space out there when it comes to crypto and it's actually you can compare it to venture capital investing you know there's so many startups out there if you're not a qualified investor there's no real point in in, in trying to pick the right ones you know and find the next facebook or something yeah. if you invest in 10 of them nine of them will die and you know it's, so it's high risk we want to refrain from that we mm -hmm. really want to offer the best savings technology that we had in in you know that we have in this century basically and this sure. is bitcoin and so there's no point in making the app more complicated with other uh, with these other cryptocurrencies and you know that that's that's why we stick to bitcoin and what's up next for us is um so now we have this broker, we have this, we have this uh, app relaunch. Obviously, we try to show that this is gaining more traction now. Um, we also, as we are now our own broker, which is also important, is that we can do uh, KYC, AML, and so the, the whole registration process now for people who want to invest more. So right now, 1K per day and 100K per year is the limit if you don't do KYC, mm -hmm. AML. And then if you want to invest more, and we have quite some demand from, from users there, uh, then nice. you can... Um, you can just do a very short KYC uh, process. Nowadays, this takes one minute and in the app uh, with a couple of clicks and then you're done. You're verified and then you can go up to 100K in, in trading. Um, and also what we can do is serve even higher uh, amounts. So we also get a track. Uh, um, um, we, we, we get some demand from you know, big Bitcoin whales that mm. want to sell a couple of dozens of bitcoin you know stuff sure. like that and they obviously don't want to do this through it through um, a, a, an app but they want to do this through um, uh, a, 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 an organization that is regulated that they can trust they have yeah. the, the expertise and the network in bitcoin and their reputation and everything so they also do this with us um so this kyc is up next and then what's really important is the most demanding uh, most demanded feature of our customers is um uh, additional payment methods so beginning of next year in two three months from now we should be ready to launch um, additional payment methods so you can basically pay with whatever you want right now you just send us money via bank transfer mm -hmm. it's easy it's cheap so that's fine but um, people also want to use twint here in switzerland of course or credit card paypal you know in the rest of yeah. europe is are the most uh, demanded um uh, payment options so we will Im implement this as well so that it's even faster and even simpler and even more convenient to buy the bitcoin so that's always our goal right strategically from a fundraising point of view as well if you if we look next year um there will be we there will be another funding round next year for sure uh, we're looking to raise a, a a bigger amount a really really big amount <laughs> for swiss uh um for, for, for what do you have in mind um yeah actually I, i'm thinking of, i'm just throwing out numbers here but i'm thinking about you know a, a round of 20 million at a 100 million valuation something like that so that's what, what i uh what i dream about at, at night let's see uh, whether we can because there are some milestones that we need to hit before sure. we actually qualify for such a round and this will need to happen very fast now what is the most important milestone for you in order to be able to actually raise that amount in my opinion what we need to do is um to uh, a couple of acts uh the the volume that we have and the users that we have now so we need to show that we can actually get into a next level of traction 
at least you know double or triple um, the, what we do now, mm-hmm. so that we can really show, hey, with this relaunch, with this team that we've built, with this license, with this setup, we can really grow to to astronomic levels. Um, and then, ideally, in Q1, we would even already make the cut to cash flow to be cash flow positive. Um, and if we multiply what we have now, then this is already as well uh, given, right? So we have mm-hmm. a certain burn rate now, which is not too high. It's, it's quite high, but it's not too high as well. It's very lean with yeah. only, quote-unquote, 15 people and not a lot of other spending. So, um, and, and it's actually in sight for us to grow to a level until... Q1 next year that we actually have around break even or even earn more that we spend per month. That would obviously those two elements would be ideal to achieve before we go out fundraising because then the story would be hey, this is our series B. We really want to get uh, 20 million, like a big amount um, that we actually don't need to survive because we're already self um, uh, self funded we can then use all of this for growth. So this is only growth capital. And that's what typically investors want to see and they invest in in a Series B stage uh, company, which usually after not even two years on the market is not the case. But if I think if we can achieve that, then then we should also be able to uh, uh, to get there. There will be certainly enough tasks on your to-do list. So that's <laughs> a very exciting future ahead of you. Before we wrap up today's episode, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Yeah, looking so forward to that one. I either give you a short question or a selection of different options, and you have to explain or make a choice with one sentence as an answer. Mm-hmm. You're ready? Mm-hmm. Do you invest daily, weekly, or monthly? Weekly. Because daily is kind of uh, hard with uh, most banks. Most banks don't yeah. have daily uh, recurring orders. True. You could work around this with having uh, every day setting up a weekly savings plan but weekly is actually enough and the stats also show that from a cost average point of view um, the shorter the time frame the better Uh, so daily would actually be better but it's not a big difference between daily and weekly it's a bigger difference between weekly and monthly so weekly is definitely my choice cool how many hours of sleep did you get last night last night it was actually probably not too much well probably Six to seven hours. I try to try to aim for eight hours. Nice. Bitcoin or Ethereum? Bitcoin. That's an easy no choice. No more comments. Yeah. <laughs> what was your summer job as a teenager? <laughs> um, I had several ones. I I worked, for example, in in a in a kitchen. Uh, like in a restaurant, in the, in the kitchen, just uh, the, the the classic um, uh, the, the dishwasher career, basically. Nice. I did I did dishwashing a lot, and for one summer, I remember that one. That was that was that was hard. I worked in in a in a in a meat factory. How do wow. you call that? So like yeah. where where chickens chickens got. Uh, from from slaughtering, so chickens got uh, delivered and then slaughtered in this factory, and you know there were people who cu- cut the whole pieces and stuff. And I was in packaging department, so I would package the the uh, the chicken wings and and the and the chicken legs and all that kind of stuff. That sounds uh, very intense. Yeah, uh, it was intense and not not very well paid. Um, yeah. but uh, and, and 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 special people you can imagine uh, working there, but uh, uh, but it was also a good it was a good experience in in hindsight. Will you ever, or do you already invest in any stocks or startups? Uh, I'm kind of getting started with this, yes. Um, I, so as I said before, I was always 
um, interesting in interested in investing and in, in trading in stocks, but I never really had the money. So, but but now that I'm also earning a salary, I get into um, third pillar, just mm -hmm. having a high um, uh, stock uh, amount there. Also, I mean, yeah, 80% of my third pillar is in stocks. And then I also have an own portfolio, a small-ish one, where mm -hmm. I do some stock pickings just, just to cool. do, because it's fun. Um, and I also start in some, some ETFs, put some money into, into ETFs. Uh, beside that, my money is basically in, in Bitcoin and, um, a little, little, little bit. I also engage in this crypto venture capital thing, but the, very, very, this is really the smallest part, almost nothing anymore. Like most of it is, is, uh, is Bitcoin and then some different stock, uh, in investings, but it's not, it's really on a low level so far. Cool. What makes you happy despite a rising Bitcoin price? Surfing. Ooh, good Surfing one. Surfing yeah. is my, I, I really need to find a way to, to live in, in, you know, Biarritz or, or Australia or somewhere where you, where you can surf. I've been traveling the whole world, all, all the continents for, to, to do surfing. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big um, passion of mine. Nice. And the last question for you, have you ever sold any Bitcoin after what you told us, after that first 10% gain? Have you ever sold any Bitcoin since then? Yes, uh, smaller uh, smaller positions. So I always bought more than I sold, but I, I have been at uh, points where I just needed some cash and then I for, for, sure. for bigger stuff that I needed to buy or whatever. And then I sold some, some of the Bitcoin, but never in terms of like trading. So I never thought, oh, this is the peak I'm going to yeah. sell because in my opinion, there's no other uh, asset that is kind of valuable in the long run to store your money in. So there's no point in trading Bitcoin to something else. Yeah. So as as long as I can stay in Bitcoin, I stay in Bitcoin. Sometimes I uh, have the just the urgency or even out of um, convenience because it's just Bitcoin is the easiest uh, asset to, to sell. It takes longer to sell, you know, stocks and then get it from your portfolio to your bank account. And just within a couple of clicks, I can sell now yeah. some bitcoins and I get same day or latest tomorrow. I get it to, directly to my bank account again. So that's why I sold some bitcoin here and there, but not not for trading reasons. Cool, Julian. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for stopping by, and all the best. Lots of success with everything that you're tackling in the near future. Thank you very much. It was an amazing, inspirational, uh, as usual, conversation. And keep going with what you do, Sylvan. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. This episode was brought to you by Swisspreneur's main partner, Clara Business, the digital all-in-one solution for small businesses. Managing internal processes manually and on paper wastes an incredible amount of time. That's why Clara digitizes everything allowing you to focus on what really matters, your core business. Go to clara.ch to find out how your business administration can be simpler, faster, and more efficient. Again, that's clara.ch.